welcome to another takeover episode of It's Okay to Feel, a Nami OCD podcast. I'm your takeover host for today, Abu Iqbal. This unique takeover episode is a feature of the Nami OCD Media Masterclass, which teaches teens and young adults ages 16 to 24 the basics of podcasting and growing our social media presence. Takeover episodes feature Media Masterclass students like myself who want to start their own podcast. With that said, Again, I'm Obliquel and I'll be your host today, where I will talk about suicide, suicide prevention, and a few coping methods. But before I dive into this episode, a little bit about me. I'm a 17-year-old Pakistani-American Muslim. Being 17 may make it seem like I'm not fit to talk about this, but I am certified in QPR suicide prevention, and I also have my own mental health journey. I've gone through many obstacles where I tried to ignore my feelings and push them away, but I only became more destructive to myself, my grades, and my relationships. And I didn't find any meaning in a seemingly meaningless life. But with the help of family and friends, I was able to navigate my thoughts and feelings and find a purpose to help others. But before we start, Some disclaimers. It's okay to feel is for informational, educational, and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical or psychiatric advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It's okay to feel is funded by the Orange County Health Care Agency, Behavioral Health Services, Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. Lastly, please note that this topic is very heavy emotionally and mentally, and it may bring up some thoughts and feelings, so please tend to yourself first, even if that means stepping out of this podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in to It's Okay to Feel for the episode on Suicide and Suicide Prevention. So before we dive into suicide prevention and coping methods, let's dissect suicide. Suicide is one of the most difficult human behaviors to understand since it's never because of one thing alone. Not only that, but it's such a taboo topic nowadays and there's so many stigmas. For example, one stigma is that suicide happens without warning, when in reality, over 70% of people who die by suicide have communicated to someone regarding their mental health. The reason why people do not pick up on the fact that they are contemplating suicide the society has pushed this topic away to the point where we ignore warning signs or dismiss it by saying that we cannot interfere or do anything when in reality, we can. We can listen. Listening is so powerful since it allows the person to feel. It allows for them to grow. And honestly, that's all I want the majority of the time. To someone to listen to me. I didn't want someone to dictate how I feel. Since whenever they did, I felt like whatever I'm feeling is wrong or invalid. And it just made me want to push the feeling further down while just pushing the other person away as well. So counting the stigmas and stigmatized language really makes a huge difference on the way we interact with each other and our behavior. So let's reevaluate our views on suicide. First, let's start by changing some popular phrases that are incorrect. A person does not commit suicide, and there is no such thing as a suicidal person. Instead, the person is contemplating suicide, so even if they pass away, 
they die by suicide instead of committing. Because a person does not have the ability to think clearly, a more appropriate term, and one I'll be using all throughout this episode, is death by suicide. Adding on, a suicidal person implies that the person is only suicidal. And there's so much more to that person than just being suicidal. While I'm having suicidal ideation, so thoughts of suicide, I'm still me in my multiple aspects. And I'm so much more than just suicidal. And not only that, but the term suicidal person makes it sound like they can't be helped. But suicide is preventable. So instead, a proper term would be a person at risk of suicide. The more we understand the person, the more we realize that they are not only suicidal. Getting rid of the stigmatized language allows us to connect to one another on a deeper and more personal level because it changes our perspective, which allows us to see them more fully while supporting them in a crisis instead of just experiences they are going through at the moment. To better support someone, you should also pay attention to warning signs. Some warning signs are negative view of self, making suicidal jokes, substance abuse, giving things away, prepping for a funeral, self-harm through many different ways, one way is cutting, frequently talking about suicide or death, isolating themselves, talking about there's no hope or there's no future, feeling like they're a burden, or engaging in risky behavior. And all of these warning sides are amplified with the risk factors, like history of substance abuse, physical disability or an illness, losing a friend or family member, being exposed to bullying, a previous mental health condition, relationship problems, or even previous suicide attempts. Now, if you see these risk factors or warning signs, then please pay attention to how you talk to them and how you listen. I said this earlier, but I cannot stress this enough. Please actively listen. But in order to listen, you may have to start the conversation with the person you care about. And there's multiple approaches. You can indirectly ask them, have you been unhappy lately? Or do you ever wish you could go to sleep and never wake up? Or you could ask them direct questions like, sometimes when someone is going through an emergency situation or a breakup or another event, they may have thoughts of suicide. Are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you planning to act on those thoughts? After asking these types of questions, simply listen. Do not force them to answer since it is a sensitive topic. In some situations, these conversations do get cut short. So try to bring the conversation back without making them uncomfortable. If you can't, then simply give them resources and refer them to professionals. But please follow up. But while the conversation is going, it does not help to cut them off or give them advice. Instead, 
let them feel. Since it is okay to feel. There's actually an animated video on YouTube called How to Help a Grieving Friend that I really recommend watching as it's only 4 minutes long and it provides beautiful visuals on how to allow people to feel. Feelings are natural and it's important to understand that. As the conversation progresses, acknowledge what they are saying, validate them, but try to ask open-ended questions. The person you are helping does not need to hear anything, but instead talk their feelings out. What they want to hear is something that they will say themselves most of the time. And as this isn't really a detailed plan on how to talk to someone, the reason why is because each conversation, each relationship, and each person is unique. And so it will be different per person, per conversation, per relationship. So this is simply a rough guide. But one thing we can do right now is counter the stereotype by practicing asking the question, are you having thoughts of suicide? If there's someone with you right now, ask them, are you having thoughts of suicide? And if you're alone, then repeat it to yourself aloud with me. Are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you having thoughts of suicide? How did it feel? It may seem strange the first few times to say it, but that's only because of the stigmatized nature around it because of our society. But it's important to break out of these. Now, if you are wondering about some resources to give during the conversation or use personally, I will get to that right after I talk about some coping methods someone can use to better clear their mind during a crisis. There's one I personally use called the 5-4-3-2-1 grounding activity, where you name 5 things you can see, 4 things you can feel or touch, 3 things you can hear, 2 things you can smell, and 1 thing you can taste. Another thing you can do is guided meditation, where and this is something I do as I meditate and focus on different parts of my body. Like I use different apps on my phone, such as mindfulness, and listen to them while focusing on different things. Another way it is meditation, which is also very useful. I'm actually going to lead some meditation right now, and I would like it if you can follow along, if possible. I'm well aware that you may not be able to, depending on your environment, but if you can, I would like you to follow along. So focus on your breathing. Inhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Exhale. Two, three, four. Inhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Exhale. Two, three. Four. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. One last time. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, 
three, four. Some other coping methods are that you could journal, you could do art or consume the art. And there's so many other things like reaching out. You can always reach out by texting home to 741741, calling the National Suicide Hotline, which is 800-273-8255. Again, 800-273-8255. Or use the crisis chat on Didi Hertz's website. Or reach out to NAMI through the multiple options like the support groups. Of course you can reach out to close ones, and I would suggest that. Having a group that loves and supports you is so important, but also know that you are not alone. All these resources, and so many more, like NASA, the Khalid Center, and AMHP, are all there to help you. There are many protective factors, such as friends, counselors or therapists, a sense of hope, a calm environment, and even sleep. Which is why I should not fall under the therapy or counseling category, but instead as a friend. Regardless of who you reach out to, please do reach out, as support is there, is within your fingertips, and all you need to do is extend outwards to grab it. And I know it's difficult, especially since this is not an everyday or seemingly appropriate conversation. But that does not mean it's wrong. Growth is possible. Healing is possible. I will share a personal last note, but whenever I get the thought of hurting myself or I'm in a dark cloud, I like to meditate, like I said above, but I also like to look at philosophers and poems there's many poems that truly stuck with me, like The Starfish and the Man in the Glass. The Starfish story, original story by Lauren Ainsley, is a story where a little girl is throwing back starfishes that washed up on the shore. And she knows that she cannot throw back every single starfish, but she knows by throwing back that one starfish, she is saving that one. And that has motivated me to keep moving forward. Since saving all of humanity would be nice. But in the Quran it says, saving one life is the same as saving all of humanity. And I believe that because of the value of an individual life. Finding a sense of purpose, a hobby, a goal, hope is very important. As that is what the individual life is. The second poem is called The Man in the Glass by Peter Dea Winbro. And it hit me hard when a good friend of mine was reading it out loud to me. And I'm going to share a few lines. And you've passed your most difficult, dangerous test. The man in the glass is your friend. And the last two lines. But your final reward will be heartache and tears if you cheated the man in the glass. The reason why this hit me and the reason why I'm sharing it is because we often ignore ourselves. But isn't that just cheating ourselves? It is very difficult to turn that person in the glass, so ourselves, into a friend. And I don't even know if I have done it yet. But the journey does not end even if we do, since we still have to maintain that relationship. I read it as being in touch with the emotional and mental needs, since they are so important. 
I'm grateful for all my friends and family for sticking with me through all my phases. And now, I want to help you help yourselves the same way as my family and friends helped me. So please reach out, connect with one another, feel you are not doomed if you have suicide ideation. Hope and healing is there. As a community, let's counter these stigmas of suicide and prevent one of the most preventable deaths by doing any positive deed. I still remember the smallest compliments given to me because they made that much of an impact. The power of love and the power of feeling is so powerful. So spread love, positivity, hope, growth, and feeling by reaching out, providing resources, and being there for people in times of need, or being there for yourself. Thank you once again for tuning in to It's a Good to Feel for the takeover episode on suicide and suicide prevention with the host for today, Abu Iqbal. If you like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people to find the show and it helps to share our message of mental wellness to people in our community. And if you want to hear more of It's Okay to Feel, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps. Thank you.